morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God, this two-edged sword of law and gospel recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Sharper Iron is underwritten by the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. On this Monday, May 23rd, we're studying Acts chapter 10, verses 17 to 33. After Peter's vision, the Holy Spirit directs the apostle to go with the men who arrive at his house to take him to Caesarea to visit Cornelius. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's word today, we have with us Pastor Doug Gribbenaw. Pastor Gribbenaw serves as a mission advocate for KFUO in St. Louis, Missouri. Pastor Gribbenaw, welcome to Sharper Iron. Thank you, brother, for having me on today. And, you know, I, I noticed something when you were doing the introduction that, that you serve at, at a Grace Lutheran Church. And immediately before my, my call here to KFUO Radio, I served at Grace Lutheran Church in El Centro, California, but a Grace Lutheran Church. So we have that in common. Well, God be praised. I, yeah. You know, there's, it's, I think it's on the Missouri Synod's website that there's a, a list of like the 10 most common names for Missouri Synod congregations. And I think Grace is like it's number three. Be up there, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. St. Paul's near the top, maybe Trinity. I can't remember now. I should, I should go back and look, but good, good. So Grace Lutheran Church that's in El good, Centro. Uh, that's good homework for our listeners, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Look that up. Let us know. Where does Grace Lutheran Church fall on the list? Uh, let us know if, if your church is, is higher than that. We'd that's love right. to hear from you. <laughs> good, good. So Pastor Grebenau, we get to look at the middle of Acts chapter 10 today. Acts chapter 10 is a, a pretty significant chapter within the book of Acts. And, and we're splitting up into three here on Sharper Iron. So we get the middle section today. What should we know about the surrounding context? as we prepare to look at these verses today. Well, you know, immediately before this, we have another, well, we actually have sort of two visions. Uh, Cornelius is, is approached by an angel of God, instructing him to, to find this Peter and, and, and hear what he has to say. And of course, then St. Peter has this, this divinely inspired vision of, you know, rise, kill, eat, uh, what I have called clean, do not call unclean or do not call common. And, and so here we're coming into, with today's session, the, the meeting of Cornelius and Peter. And of course, following this then, is Peter's sermon, his proclamation of the gospel to, to this, what we might say, seeker, right? This man uh, who, is, who is righteous, uh, who fears God, and yet does not know the full revelation of who God is. Uh, and that is to be known in his son, our savior, Christ Jesus. So this is what really, this is, this is the buildup. This is the middle act of, of a really exciting uh, section in Acts. Remind us a little bit about who Cornelius is. We're familiar with Peter from most of the book of Acts and of course in the gospels, but Cornelius just dropped into the book at the beginning of Acts chapter 10. Remind us why Cornelius is such a surprising and significant figure. Well, Cornelius is, he's a Gentile. He, he's one of those, those people, not, not of the household of Israel, right? He's not one of the, the chosen. And yet the reality of what we are, what we are witnessing and what is being explained to us through, through living action is this revelation that in Christ, God has redeemed the world. 
that he has brought into his fold, Jew and Gentile alike. And so Cornelius, a Roman centurion, one of the people who is, uh, you know, whose political world is oppressing Israel, uh, has been doing so for uh, for years, and yet he is he is heard and spoken of as a as a righteous and a kind man. He contributes and and engages with the local uh, synagogue, the local worship there, and and he is he's a God fearing man, as we're told at the beginning of chapter ten. Now, Cornelius, you know, being a, a pagan, uh, you know, has been surrounded by idolatry. Um, <laughs> his entire life. And yet, how often in Scripture do we have these these surprising characters from outside the expected realm, you know, of the of the people who have been, you know, part of the chosen people whose faith is uh is inspiring. Uh there you know, there's the woman that, that Jesus calls the little puppy dog, right? And she says, Yes, but you know. Even the little dogs are fed by the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Oh, woman, how great is your faith, right? Or the centurion whose daughter was yeah. sick and, and sends his, his servants to Jesus. You know, I don't need to, you don't need to come. Just say the word and it's done. I believe, you know, how great your faith is. And so here we have this unexpected man, this, this pagan, this Roman who is, who is seeking to know God. And and Peter is going to deliver that to him. How great is his faith? Um, and, and and the thing I, I love about Cornelius is he is unashamed in his joy to hear of God. That that as we'll hear, he invites you know his relatives, his close friends. He says, "Come and hear, come and see this this Peter. Come and hear the truth of God's word." He's excited to share with them what he is going to be receiving. Right. One of the, the striking things about Acts 10 is, it, I mean, it's, you know, it starts in the ESV, the title that the editors give it at the beginning of 10 is Peter and Cornelius. And it is, as you point out, though, Cornelius is not going to be alone at his house. And, and we, we mentioned this in the study we had at the end of last week in the beginning of chapter 10, that Cornelius has, has come to know the God of Israel. He doesn't yet know Jesus. And that's, that's where Peter comes in. But even, even, Cornelius, it appears, has already he's a, he's a part of a larger group that does know of the God of Israel, and and I mean his household is is a part of that. Luke has told us already, and there's also this devout soldier that was mentioned. So there's going to be a, a full group of people that are gathered at Cornelius's house, waiting to hear from Peter to hear that good news that Peter is going to proclaim. We're going to hear the actual sermon in tomorrow's show. We get the lead up to it, but they're all there, ready and waiting to hear that good news that Peter's going to proclaim. So I will let's, say, let's go, know, go ahead. Extra biblically. Uh, and, I, and I like to, to look at these things just because it's interesting. Uh, you know, tradition in the church. Now, of course, this is not inspired in an errant, so we don't know this for a fact. But some traditions say that Cornelius becomes the first bishop in Caesarea. Hmm. That 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 is so powerful. His conversion here now, and I think that's a wonderful thought. <laughs> you know, this sure. this man who was in charge of a hundred, you know, Roman soldiers, a centurion, right, leader amongst the pagans, then becomes a leader in the church, continuing what he's done here, which is to bring people to Jesus. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, like you said, we we can't know that for sure, but it, it certainly fits. I think with the picture that we get of of Cornelius. So I I would like that to be true. I, I hope it is. Right. Yeah. 
All right. So let's go ahead. We're picking up again yesterday. We're coming off of the two visions. Cornelius saw an angel and heard, go get Peter. He's done that. Peter's received the vision of the sheet descending with all these animals. And now we're picking up right there. The visitors are coming to Peter. So we're in Acts 10, 17. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. I'll pause there. That's through the middle of verse 23. So Pastor Grebena, take us into this scene. Peter's still pondering what he's seen, but the Lord is is at work right away. Help, help us what goes on at the beginning of the text. Well, you know, I love how it says that, that Peter, you know, St. Peter, right? One of those one of those saints that we look to and say, wow, yeah. so great is your faith. Peter, who's sometimes a knucklehead too, right? Oh, you know, everyone else is going <laughs> to fall away, but I'll go with you right to death. No, never mind. Yeah. You know, Peter who is who is queried by the Lord, you know, threefold after his threefold denial, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Well, the, the voice speaks to Peter three times. Uh, so Peter Peter sometimes has a hard time hearing. And mm. but don't we all? And I love that yeah. that we're told here that the Holy Spirit has said, you know, this guy Peter, he's a lot like you. He's struggling mm. with these things that he's learning. He is perplexed. And and a lot of times when we get into scripture, I think we run into those moments where, where we're uncomfortable. We encounter something that is unexpected, uh, something that goes contrary to what our human reason says, and we are perplexed, and we have to sit and wrestle with that. And so Peter is doing just this. He is wrestling with this, inwardly perplexed, and, and who is it that comes to help him really start to see what is going on? Well, it's mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, who has been setting this in motion, speaking to Cornelius to send these men. And now these men have arrived in the midst of Peter's wrestling with this this vision. And his encounter is going to be a vehicle for the Holy Spirit to to illumine Peter about what this really means. The the fullness of what God has declared to him. You know, that Mm. is uh, what God has made clean. Do not call common. Right. It's, it's going to be pretty quick here where the Holy Spirit will tie together the vision that he just received and a threefold vision at that of the sheet descending, call these, you know, don't call these things common because the Lord has made them clean. Now here are going to come some Gentiles. And, and what, I, what I do love about this is that even as, as Peter is perplexed and he's pondering this and the men show up, the Spirit's not going to leave Peter wondering what to do. He gives him very clear direction here such that when these men show up and he finds out who they is or who they are, Peter doesn't have any hesitation in going with them. There where, where otherwise he might have. You know, but but the spirit helps Peter 
to connect the dots here in this text. Because, yes, there is this absolute what would be a natural hesitation to engage with these pagans, these unclean ones uh, that you don't you just don't associate like that. And so there is this this cultural and, and, and sort of lifelong practice. You know, Peter says, you know, I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. You know, I've always observed these sort of separations. And, and it would have been the just the normal expectation for Peter to be like, yeah, you know, why don't you stand over there? I'll stand over here. We can talk. But, and mm. instead, Peter, you know, invites them in to be his guests. He mm. brings them in. Um, and, and I love that the Spirit says to him, do not do this, you know, with, accompany them without hesitation. Don't worry about yeah. this. You know, this is, this is good <laughs> mm. because it goes completely contrary to what he, he had most of his life been practicing. Mm. Well, you, you mentioned pastor Gribbenau that, you know, Peter here with his perplexity and, and wrestling and, and all this is coming together. Uh, it reminds me of, of the conversation I had with pastor Hemmer in the previous section and with, with Peter. And you just look at his, his life as we learn of it in the gospels and then in, in acts as well, how so many times you see Peter at the highest moment and also at the lowest moment. And he's, he's got these great swings and then he needs to be brought to repentance and, and he just kind of goes back and forth so many times and how, how wonderful that is for us as Christians today. I mean, I, I, I made the comment, sometimes I, I have an easier time relating to St. Peter than I do to St. Paul because of that. You just, you get that back and forth, the wrestling of Peter a little bit more than I think you get from Paul. And, and here there's no exception. And yet at the same moment, the grace of God given to Peter so that he doesn't leave him hanging, but he, he, he shows him the truth that he wants Peter to get. Yes, he guides him on the way. That's right. quite literally in this way too, guides him on his way. And I have to say, this is not under the confessional seal, but I will confess that, that you know, as we who are in this preaching office, we're supposed to know the scriptures inside and out. And, and so it's through diligent study. But I had somehow just dropped this little section of Acts from my brain. I remembered Cornelius and I remembered Peter, you know, all things are clean, go ahead and eat, you know, bring, bring on the bacon, you know, all these fun <laughs> things. But I had just completely forgotten this connection of of bringing the not just the cleanliness of foods but the cleanliness of creation and then peter is is, is in this action of of uniting uh, as god has done in his son jesus all things bringing them together and 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 in my mind these were sort of two separate events and i was surprised in this study and i went wow that is really that well that's really well written, Holy Spirit. Uh, kudos to That's you. Right. But I, I, That's right. But I had treated these as two separate events. And, and over and over again, you know, Scripture really unites the things that we often think of as being disparate. The, the thing that I, I appreciate about this text coming right on the heels of the last is that the, you know, the vision that Peter is given is so vivid. I mean, you imagine that sheet dropping from heaven, this wide variety of animals that's on there that, that really sticks in your head. And the command there is to rise and kill and eat. And then, you know, don't call it common what I've made clean. And yet as the, as the text immediately continues, the, the meal, Peter was hungry when he had that vision. The meal that Peter was, was hoping to get, that's not the topic of conversation, but it does now turn to these men who arrive, that, that the matter of, of clean and unclean, while it certainly does, you know, yes, go have your bacon for breakfast after sharper iron this morning if you haven't already had it. That's, that's great. 
But it's it, the vision that Peter has isn't so much about what you can and can't eat as it is about who who has Jesus come to save? Who has he made clean? And it is, it's an all-encompassing thing. It's not just Jews. It's Jews and Gentiles. And as you said, it really, this is a, a all creation. Jesus has redeemed all creation. And and that is the the real import of Peter's vision that he's coming to realize and, and will continue to be fleshed out as the chapter continues. Amen. Amen. So, Pastor Grebenau, one of the the things that that you and I were talking about before we came on air was just the the matter of the the visions that have been happening in the the previous text, and now those visions are starting to be made public. Peter's vision is going to be made public. Cornelius' vision is going to be made public. What's what's the importance of of the way the text continues and the the public? What ends up being a public nature of of these private visions? It's the very nature of Christianity, is that it is a public ministry. We the 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 preaching office or in our confessions the predict amt right. It is a it is a public office. What we what we speak, what we teach, what we practice, these are not done in in closets in secret. Mm. Uh, there is no sort of secret knowledge that is imparted, right? You you whisper the right words, and the door opens up, and you sneak inside, and and what happens behind these doors, no one knows, right? This is all about a very open and public proclamation of everything that has happened. It's the kind of openness that we see over and over again in Scripture. I mean, if I was writing. A, a false religion, I wouldn't necessarily include details about one of the closest companions of the Messiah or the Savior uh, betraying him and you know proverbially stabbing him in the back, but literally nailing him to a cross. Uh, I wouldn't talk about that. That wouldn't happen. Uh, I would not have any sort of, of failure, as you might say. Um, but scripture over and over again is is open. You know, King David and his fall to yeah. sin, uh, to adultery, to murder, uh, Judas's betrayal, Peter's denial, and yet, and and yet, it's laid out in the open because mm. our teaching is is the public proclamation. It is God's message for all people, not a select few, not for those with with better learning. It's not a Gnostic religion. This is the this is the heart of the one living God, it laid bare and exposed for all the world that we might know him intimately as, as, as his son has brought him and then brings us to him to be members of this one body where we share in common our, our redemption, all the gifts of heaven. They are equally and all ours. We are heirs of God and, and heirs with Christ Jesus. I think this is a very important point, especially for a text like this, where you do have these two spectacular visions. Cornelius has an angel come to him. Peter sees this vision. And it's it's easy to get caught up in that, what seems like a, a private thing happening. Oh, I, I wish I could have a vision like Cornelius or Peter. But notice how quickly the text turns toward the public proclamation of what those visions have revealed, such that... If you don't have any vision like this, and, and you really shouldn't expect it now, Amen. you still have the good news because the word that gets proclaimed, I mean, and we don't even get the fullness of it in our text, Pastor Gribbenau, but how quickly it, it does move from these two visions to now let's make public what already is public. Let's get the gospel to be heard. That's that's where 
the good news is given. And, and that I think right. is just such a chapter uh, 11, which, which follows on the heels of this chapter 11. Then we, we have a, an even greater public declaration of what Peter has, has been shown. Um, and, and we have Peter then coming into Jerusalem to declare, you know, that he heard from heaven, what God has made clean, do not call common. So, you know, Cornelius shares his vision, sends the, the, the servants. Peter has his vision. He goes with them. But more importantly than this, and in fact, we'll pick this up in the next paragraph, is that Peter doesn't go by himself. He has brothers, fellow Christians that come with him. So this is, this is a public uh, declaration uh, and a public witness and a public calling of these visions now coming together publicly of, of pagan unbelievers right, who are seeking God, believers in the brotherhood coming together. And then in chapter 11, you know, the whole church is going to hear of this, of this um, revelation that Peter has had. And more than that, though, is that it, it, uh, it agrees with, it comports with everything else that scripture has taught. And, and we have, you know, the other apostles, the other disciples who affirm that this is indeed God's teaching. St. Paul, the same way, you know, the, the Gentiles are being brought in. So he and Peter, you know, agree. And of course, they'll, they'll have their struggles as they will with their own sinful flesh. Uh, the incident at Antioch when Peter withdraws from the Gentiles as the circumcision party comes in. But they both are, are saying, you know, this teaching is true. And they do so independently. Right. Yeah. I mean, at this point, St. Paul is, is kind of in the background. Absolutely. He will come back important. I mean, he's, he becomes the main human figure within the book of Acts in just a couple chapters. But right now, St. Paul is in the background. But as you said, yeah, these these two men are, are teaching the same thing. And it is just thinking kind of where the book of Acts is headed. There is this this kind of overlap here where where Saul has been converted and he's there and he's he's sort of in the background. Peter's in the fore right now, but but they're gonna, I mean, just to to see the way that the Holy Spirit has has worked within the church, to have these two men not side by side physically necessarily, but but here at this transitional moment, and yet they're they're preaching the same thing. It's it's the same good news that's being preached to Jews and Gentiles alike. They're both going to do that preaching, and and Peter's the one that's really in view here. But it's Paul's going to be doing the same thing when he goes out on his missionary journey, journeys later in the book. So, Pastor Pastor Gribbenau, as as we continue here, then we've got Cornelius. He's got his his messengers there in Joppa, and and Peter invites them in to stay with him. He's he's at the house of of Simon the Tanner. I love how we have again Simon, who's called Peter, and then Simon the. That's right. Yeah. Which Simon are we talking about here? That's right. Well, just talk a little bit about what's what's happening with Peter, even in the the hospitality that he's already showing, and and his choice of of where he stayed there in Joppa. Yeah, it's it's interesting to know where Peter is staying. Uh, Simon, who is called Peter, goes to stay with Simon, who is a tanner, and 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 we're not talking about the you know the the light beds at your local tanning salon. This is a guy who <laughs> deals with dead animals, which are unclean. Here here is a man who is richly unclean. He is he is dirtied. He is sullied. This is another person who uh, a pious Jew would not associate with because the uncleanliness would make them. Uh, unclean to go to the temple, to go to worship. But Peter is already 
sort of living the revelation that that the Holy Spirit has to make absolutely clear for him in this vision, but is it is the effect of what Christ has done in redeeming the world in himself on the cross. And so Peter's already taken these steps, maybe even unknowingly, but in accord with the teachings of Christ. And so he's staying with, with a Jew who is ritually unclean, a tanner. And then he's going to receive these Gentiles who are ritually unclean, these foreigners. And then he's bringing them in to stay with him. And more than that, then he's going to go and travel and be a guest in the house of a, of a pagan, a richly unclean person. And, and so he's already making this sort of move. And the Holy Spirit then has to, you know, in the proverbial way he does, kind of lay it out for you and say, all right, and now I'm going to make you take the next step. You've already taken that first one. There's a little hesitation. Let's, let's, let's push this all the way to the fullness of the truth. These mm. are going to be your brothers and sisters, not just Jews, but Gentiles, all people saved by the faith in Christ Jesus, by the grace of God. That is who are now God's people. Yeah, I mean, what Paul writes in Ephesians 2 about that dividing wall of hostility being broken down, I think it's really what we're witnessing here for, for Peter is that the, the dividing wall of hostility is being broken down for him right now. And, and he's already starting to, to realize the fruit of that just by being in the presence in the same household as these men. Absolutely. And, and receiving yeah. them and, and, and having fellowship, a beautiful yeah. thing. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, it just, I'm reminded of the way Ananias automatically was able to call Saul, his brother back in chapter nine. By, Here, by Peter's, the power of the spirit, I have to say, I mean, you know, how often certainly you go with someone who is an enemy and then call, yeah. them, call them brother, not just friend, brother. Yeah. yeah. And, and that same thing is, is happening here for Peter with Cornelius and the men that he sent. And we're going to keep looking at that on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sharper Iron here on KFUO. We're talking Acts chapter 10 with Pastor Doug Gribbenoff. We will be right back. Please stick around. Did you know that Lutherans are helping new American immigrants get settled? How about struggling church workers in need of support and refreshment? And we assist at-risk children and provide disaster response to hurricane victims. Through LCMS recognized service organizations, we are doing all this and more. I'm Rahema Kavuga of Lutheran Church Extension Fund, and I don't want you to miss out on hearing what your brothers and sisters in Christ are up to. Visit interesttime.org to see how your support gives life to these works of mercy and love. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Monday, May 23rd. We're studying Acts chapter 10, verses 17 to 33 with Pastor Doug Gribbenaugh. He is mission advocate for KFUO in St. Louis, Missouri. Pastor Gribbenaugh, tell me a little bit about what you do as a mission advocate for KFUO. As a mission advocate with KFUO, I, I sometimes joke that I'm a little like St. Paul. And I know that comes off a little, <laughs> a little heady, and I, and I don't want to do that. But St. Paul went forth to to proclaim the salvation we have in Christ Jesus, and he traveled around, and he engaged with churches, and he taught, and he brought along, and he established. And so part of this mission advocate is on behalf of KFUO to reach out to, to congregations, 
uh, to, to, to schools, to individuals, to RSOs, uh, to anyone, and, and help to share the mission of KFUO Radio, which is the mission of the church. That is the proclamation of our salvation by grace through faith in Christ Jesus alone, apart from the works of the law. And that proclamation is what drives the, the programming on, on KFUO Radio, the, the podcasts that we have. It is what fills and occupies the, the work of the people that, that my, you know, my, my co-workers here at KFUO, the workers in this field. And so my, uh, my mandate is then to bring in partners and to engage them and, and really to foster that fellowship, that unity we have in Christ and, and that unity in this, in this ministry that is all about the proclamation of Christ for you. And it's a really wonderful thing. And then occasionally I get to to hang out on the air and and, and right. dig into scripture with other of our partners like like you. God be praised. It's a wonderful opportunity to have you here. And thank you for the work that you do for KFUL. And, and what a what a wonderful thing to be a part of, to share Christ for you anytime, anywhere. What a what a great thing. So we are continuing now in our text in Acts chapter 10, the the messengers from Cornelius have arrived at where Peter is staying. Peter's invited them to be his guests. Now they're going to go back to Cornelius's house. So we're in 23B. The next day, he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. And Cornelius said, Four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now therefore we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. That's where our text finishes for today. That takes us through Acts 10, verse 33. Pastor Gribbena, you mentioned some of the features already of this text. One thing to notice, talk more about the importance of the fact that some brothers go with Peter. It's not just Peter and the men from Cornelius. You know, Peter brings with him, because he's obviously already staying with a community of believers, uh, and, and by implication of Simon the Tanner, he's going to be a part of that. But there are brothers, there are fellow Christians and Peter's going to go off and travel with these Gentiles uh, at their at their request without hesitation. But he's going to say, "Come with me, come and let's let's see." And and you know we're not told explicitly in the text here, but I I think really what's going to happen is that Peter is saying, "You're going to come with me, and we are going to celebrate because people are going to be coming into the church." We are going to go, and these Gentiles are going to be our brothers. So it's it's really this, again, not this secret thing, but this public proclamation. Come and bear witness. See what God is doing in the world. Come and see and welcome with me together these who are 
who are, you know, called common, who are called unclean, are now going to be our brothers and sisters in Christ and be, be witnesses of this, but also there to affirm that we are one. And so he brings these brothers with them. And, and I don't think under compulsion, I, I think they were quite excited to go. Uh, again, that's inference. But the kind of, of joy we have in receiving into the body of Christ uh, brothers and sisters, the kind of joy we have at, at every baptism or the, the joy we have when, when we invite our friends and neighbors and we hear the, and we see the word of God working in them and, and bringing them to faith. Now, it, it seems the joy is, is just as evident on the, the expecting end because there in Caesarea, Cornelius has gathered his relatives and friends. So there's, there's a mutual joy in this text. Oh, he's, I think he is stoked. He's, I think he's excited <laughs> uh, because, and, and he's not ashamed to do so. Unfortunately, in our modern world, we really are. We have been overcome with this, this sort of false idea that faith is a private and a personal thing. And here we're talking, faith is not secret at all. Faith is not something you do just behind the closed doors or just on Sunday. It is encompassing. This is, this is who you are. Our identity is in Christ. And, and this centurion, he's longing for this identity. And so he's, he's calling his family. He's calling his close friends. And he's saying, I want you to come. I've got Peter. He's going to come. He's going to come and we're going to hear what he has to say. I, I, I think he, he is really excited, but I think also the centurion doesn't know the, the amazing worth of what Peter has to tell him. I, I, it's beyond his imagining, really. Um, mm. and, and if only we had that same kind of zeal on, uh, for our churches to go to the neighbor's house next door and say, hey, I want you to come and hear what Peter says. <laughs> I want you to come and hear what the Lord has to say at my church. Come with me. And, and let's let's hear together. Um, I, it was really uh, sort of inspiring. Um, mm. Cornelius, he, he's, he's, he's got more guts than a lot of us in our country today because <laughs> he wants mm. to share Jesus. Not that, he, not that he knew right away, but I can only imagine what he would continue to do after Peter's visit. Well, you know, I, I do think you see a, a picture here of the way Jesus speaks in the gospels about when he tells his disciples, you know, the one who receives you receives me. And then the one who receives me receives the one who sent me that the way Cornelius welcomes the Lord's messenger is, is, isn't a model. It is a model of what our, our Lord teaches. And, and Cornelius, as we will see, does receive all the blessings that the Lord promises to those who, who receive the good news. I mean, and what, what a wonderful picture of the joy in which, you know, in which Christians do receive one another. And I think like you, you still, we still have, have pictures of this in the church today. I, I think of some of my, my times on like a choir tour where I would go and, and I mean, you, you get, you put up at a host family and they don't know who you are other than the fact that, that, you know, they, they know you've come to, to sing the good news to them. And so they receive you with joy and you go to their house with joy. I mean, just that, that joy that you see between Peter and, and Cornelius here, and then all the, the friends who are invited as well. I do think we, well, we see it some, but it, it certainly is something I think for us to, to appreciate anew as Christians today. Amen to that. Yes. Amen. And, and you know, speaking of sort of the exuberance, uh, Cornelius's reaction <laughs> to Peter's arrival, I, I think yes. it, it demonstrates that, that, that exuberance, um, 
you know, because as soon as uh, as Peter arrives, uh, Cornelius meets him and falls down and worships him, um, which, you know, is <laughs> it's very sweet, right? <laughs> it's, it's excessive. It's a, it's misdirected. <laughs> and Peter, Peter, you know, rightly, you know, corrects this. Um, but, you know, he is so overjoyed. And, and, you know, he falls down to worship him. But, it, you know, I think it's driven from the fact that he recognizes that what Peter has is going to be of, of inestimable worth. This is an amazing encounter. And, and really what Peter is doing is he is bearing uh, the, the word of God. And he is bearing and carrying, that is, you know, bearing it with him to proclaim the faith that makes one a believer in Christ and, and, and makes you a brother and sister. And so his exuberance is maybe misdirected, but uh, it certainly shows the, the joy that, uh, that is overcoming Cornelius. Yeah, I wonder if it, it is a, it's a striking reaction, at least I think to, to our modern ears. But I, I wonder if, if there's something to Cornelius's military background that causes him to react in this way. This is what you'd naturally do before a superior, perhaps. And, and he's just, maybe he's, he's sort of importing his military life into the life of the church, which then makes, makes Peter's reaction all the more laudable. And, and of course, I mean, of, of course, Peter knows that he is not to be worshiped. But even in, in the sense of what, when Jesus tells his apostles, you know, to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is to be the servant. It's, it's also a recognition of, you know, Peter's not here as Lord over Cornelius. He's here as his brother and, and particularly the brother who gets to proclaim the good news. Yeah, it, it, this is a very radically different thing, this new reality in Christ than what we see in the world. In, in this world, you know, uh, what we might call the kingdom of the left. There are distinctions between people. There, there are moms and dads. There are governors. There are emperors. There are uh, soldiers and superiors, commanders, and you you show deference and you defer to them and you and you respect them. Uh, so yeah, you know, making a grand bow before you know the emperor would be what a centurion would do. Uh, even the fourth commandment gives and encourages us to do that, right? To, to love and honor them, cherish them, obey them, respect them, our moms and dads and others in authority. Uh, and so that, that is a very natural sort of left hand kingdom, the way in which the world works, there is this distinction, which is also why St. Peter said to Jesus, do not wash my feet. No, I'm not going to let you do that. <laughs> and Jesus yeah. has to teach him. You know, in, unless, you know, unless I clean you, you have no part with me, right? And so Peter now here is is saying, this is a different thing than what we've known our entire lives. You and I are are one. We stand before God, quorum Deo, right, on equal footing. There is no distinction now between Jew and Gentile, male and female. When we stand before God as his redeemed children, we stand together as one. And in the kingdom uh, on that and standing before God in our salvation, we stand shoulder to shoulder with God's own son, Christ Jesus, right? Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. And so this, this fellowship, this union we have together, uh, of, of us together with each other, together with God, him and us, we and them, that is a very different thing than the world. Now, of course, we are still commanded to have this sort of deference. So Cornelius would certainly still 
show respect and and honor to those who are in authority over him. But within the brotherhood, uh, we we are one. We we are brothers and sisters. We still show deference and respect to our ecclesial supervisors and our district presidents. Right. Mm-hmm. We still show respect and deference to our pastors and and to our moms and dads. But we also recognize this unique and wonderful fellowship of equality standing before God, redeemed brothers and sisters, not a diminishing of anyone's wealth, but a, 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 an uplifting that we are each of such tremendous worth to God that he would give his own son to die for you. Even if you were the only person in the whole world, Jesus would die for you. Such greatness is God's love uh, that, that you are worth the universe. So there's not a there's not a an undoing or a reversal of the fourth commandment. There, those things are, are still important, as you said, that we would honor father and mother, that that we would respect our pastors and, and listen to them. But there is a, a reminder here of where all that authority ultimately comes from and, and who stands above all of us as our father, as our Lord. And in that sense, Peter's reaction to Cornelius and, and what he does here. I too. Peter's reaction. Man. That's right. I too. Yeah. Man, we stand together shoulder to shoulder and we stand before God and we give him, we, we uh, love and honor and cherish and serve him above all things. Right. That is the first and greatest commandment, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, when, when the, when the parishioner walks out on a KFUO Sunday and says, great sermon, Pastor Gribbenau, <laughs> or, or, you know, like, the the god god be praised that's always my my reaction like god be praised this isn't about my words the words of pastor apple or the words of pastor gribbenau but it's about what the lord has spoken to all of us about the good news that his son uh, i used to always say i had really good source material that's right (laughs) to say god's word you know i was given wonderful things to say that's right that's right yeah that this this good news comes from god and again none of this is to say you know that we should disrespect our pastors or something like that but it is a good reminder to all of us that you know who who is the lord of the church it it's not peter it's not your pastor but it is the lord it's it's jesus and we all stand under him who is our brother together as brothers and that's a that's a wonderful reality and again particularly in this context where where perhaps peter before the vision he'd received early in the chapter, might have been ten, ten, he might have been tempted to lord it over someone like Cornelius. I'm a Jew, you're a Gentile. Here, Peter receives him as a brother. And, you know, we even see this in the Old Testament, too, with Joseph. And, and I, I am so inspired by Joseph. His brothers who had sold him into slavery beat him down, and, and he has the ability to get even, uh, to lord it over them and— and, you know, they're afraid of it. And he says, you know, what you ordained for evil, God ordained for good. And so here's Peter, a Jew, you know, oppressed by the Romans for, for, for decades. Um, and he says, you know, Cornelius, I, I am but a man. We, we together stand before God as brothers. Hmm. Now, as, as their conversation continues, they've, they've met in verse 26. Peter goes into the house. He starts talking to Cornelius. He's, he re- realizes there's all these people here. Peter begins a, a sermon of sorts. And even, I think you know, verse 28 is, is significant. We're going to get the whole sermon that Peter preaches in tomorrow's text. But already in 28, Peter hints and pretty well summarizes what he's already learned from his vision. That's right. You know, I, 
you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation, right? My coming here is already showing you that things are different now, right? Mm. And then, you know, he gives a, a recap. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Um, mm. And that, that's a wonderful reminder. Remember, he's also speaking to these people before he has, he has delivered the, the revelation of you know, his full sermon, if you will, right? The full apostolic teaching concerning Christ, uh, God in the flesh, God incarnate, God our propitiation, God our sacrifice, God our Savior, uh, the priest standing before, interceding for us. Uh, and, and he's saying, you know, we are all of absolute worth to God. Not a single one of us is is unimportant, is common, is unclean, is 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 beyond or not worthy of redemption. Um, there, mm. There's a there's a real depth there that I think we that you could plumb a little more, uh, probably longer than we have here. Uh, but you know, a reminder that every human person, you know, was made in the image and likeness of God. You know, corrupted as we are by the fall, the human person is still the crowning glory of God's creative work. And God is going to do everything to to call us out of our sin, out of our darkness, out of our death, and and bring us to the real life that's in Jesus, because every single person uh, is is precious and priceless from from conception to natural death. Hmm. I appreciate the way you put that verse in context, Pastor Gribbenau. It reminds me of what someone once told me, and I know I've I've used it on on occasion as well. That you know, every person you meet is someone Jesus died for. And I, I mean, I think that, you know, he's, he hasn't said that yet, but that's really what's in the background of that, that statement there in verse 28. Every person is someone Jesus died for. And what a, what a wonderful perspective to have. And, and I love that, that Peter may be taking a, a, a clue from Jesus, right? He spent a lot of time with him. Yeah. He, he already knows why he's been asked to go there. But he says, you know, I want to hear it from you. Right. He closes yeah. that saying, you know, I came without objection. So tell me, you know, why, why did you send for me? You know, tell me. And he, it, it, because it's not, uh, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but the, we, we have, I, you know, I just did a, a word study with, uh, with uh, thy strong word with, with Brady Finnern. Um, and, and one of the things was, was talking about if our heart doesn't condemn us, you know, we have boldness, right. To speak before mm. God, which in the Greek is really, it's, it's, it's freedom to, to, to speak freely, you know, and I think of all those military mm. movies, permission to speak freely. Well, we have the, we have permission to speak freely with God and with one another and to be open about everything. And, and, and in some ways, I think Peter is maybe making that same sort of invitation, you know, speak mm. freely. Why is it that you want me here? So that that gives Cornelius then the opportunity to relate to Peter the vision that he received. Again, here everything is being made public for the the sake of proclaiming the word of God. What are some of the highlights as to the way Cornelius recounts to Peter and to the the gathered congregation? What are the highlights of the way he recounts the vision that he received? Well, you know, without um, without understanding what's really the weight behind some of these words, we read this in English and just go on by. Uh, Cornelius, you know, he's he's saying how he was praying in his house. Behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing, right? So that, that idea, that image of an angel, right? 
Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms have been remembered before God. Now, it's that little word remembered that has such importance, but in English, we just travel right over it. Oh, so God had sort of forgotten about this guy, but now he's kind of, oh, yeah, that Cornelius dude, right? That's how I remember things. It's usually an, oh, yeah, that's right. But that's not remember the word that, that when it's engaged with God, because when God remembers, you know, the omniscient God who who the only thing he forgets is our sins, right? And he does so by his own will and power to separate them and forget them forever. He, when he's remembering, that's actually God stepping into action for salvation, to do something wonderful. And God remembered his people, Israel, right? And he, the, the, their cries in Egypt called out and he remembered them. So whenever God remembers He's moving in. He's stepping into action. He's going to take something and and make it a wonderful thing. And that is what God has done with Cornelius. You know, your your alms, right? And your and your your prayers have uh, have been remembered, right? Or were, as we hear in verse uh, verse four, right, as a memorial before God, right? Mm. And so God's stepping into action. How? Telling telling Cornelius, send these men to get Peter. Coming to Peter, saying Peter. You know, do not call unclean that which I have made clean. And now putting Peter and Cornelius together in this action to bring and deliver salvation to Cornelius and to those who have gathered there with him. This is God working to save. God remembered Cornelius. And that's, and that's yeah, what, a wonderful thing. Well, it, it certainly is. I mean, that God would remember, and, and again, more than just, oh, I, I know who that guy is, but but actually doing something. And and that, I think, really takes us into the where Cornelius, you know, he lets the rubber hit the road. He tells Peter, here's what I saw. Here's my vision. And so here you are. So now tell us, you know, the way that our text concludes. Therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have commanded by been commanded by the Lord. What a that's dripping with anticipation. Help us into that very last thing that Cornelius says. Amen. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God. So Cornelius is speaking a, a truth that maybe he doesn't even fully recognize, but that what is coming here is God. God coming in the means that he's appointed, in this case, the word. Peter is delivering this word to him. And Peter is going to be doing this, this salvation, doing as an instrument, I should say, right? This salvation that God has brought forth. He is bearing for him the word of God. And that word is what, you know, is what God is present and dwelling in and active and working through, right? It, it, it is the word. The word that is proclaimed and preached, the word that is going to be bound with the waters in baptism, the word that is bound together with the bread and the wine to make it the body and blood of Christ given and shed for us. It is this word that, that is that wherein God has chosen and elected to dwell for us. And so he is, he is, you know, saying we're all here in the presence of God because God's word is going to be here with us. And so God's yeah. going to be here with us. And we want to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Uh, and, and what an apt description of the divine service. If only we could, it's probably a little longer, I think, than the short one that's on all the pulpits that say, sir, we would see Jesus, right? <laughs> this one's a little longer. Yeah. But we could all say, we are all here gathered in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Mm -hmm. um, recognizes not only a holy man, 
uh, but that God himself is drawing near. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, it's not, not quite as succinct as the one from John 12, but yeah, this would, this would be a fitting inscription on, on pulpits as well. This is why the people are gathered to hear the good news from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, preacher, you give it to them. And that's what Peter's going to do in the text we've got for tomorrow. Pastor Gribbenau, with about a minute and a half left, help us to wrap things up. Give us the, the comfort, the good news that's here for us in this middle section of Acts 10. God is always working for your salvation. God has done all things for you in sending his son, Christ Jesus, to bear your sin, to be your savior, to put it to death at the cross and to rise you to new life and call you out of darkness. Now we know that, that and you hear, this is the tagline you know, that, that, that KFUO uses all the time, right? That we are, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Well, faith is going to come by hearing here to Cornelius and those gathered. And that word that Peter's proclaiming is the word concerning Christ. And that is the, the word that creates faith in us, that brings us to life, the word that sustains us in our living, that sustains our faith and, and carries us in, in thought, word, and deed to be living witnesses of the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And that word that will bear us unto the last day, unto the end of days, when, when our resurrected flesh and our purified souls will be joined together to dwell before God in innocence, righteousness, and purity forever. It is the word that, that, that brings to life, sustains our life, and bears us into the life everlasting. And thanks be to God that, that we have this word freely proclaimed and preached in, in pulpits, in homes, on the radio, the internet, and, and through the mouths of, of faithful men and women, Christians, who proclaim that salvation to, to friends, to neighbors, uh, to relatives. Pastor Doug Gribbenaugh is a mission advocate for KFUO in St. Louis, Missouri, helping us today with Acts chapter 10, verses 17 to 33. Pastor Gribbenaugh, thanks for being our guest today. It was my joy and pleasure. Thank you, brothers and sisters. I am your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. If you have any questions about Acts chapter 10, please send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org or use the open mic feature on the app to send a message to us. We always love to hear from you. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow.